Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to Episode 9 of Connection Not Perfection. Welcome to Connection Not Perfection, the podcast that helps parents and teens connect using literature, laughter, and love. Welcome to Connection Not Perfection. My name is Amy. I'm your host for today. And if you've hung out with me before, I am so glad that you are with me again today. And if this is the first time that you've listened, I am just super excited that you've joined me today. I am very excited about the issue that we're talking about today, which is having a critical inner voice. You know the one I'm talking about. It is the one that nags at you. It whispers shaming thoughts inside your head and it shouts at you sometimes for not being enough, not good enough or smart enough or thin enough. I could go on and on and on. But to tackle this issue, the first thing that we're gonna have to talk about is being able to recognize that there are at least two voices in your head, right? It's that whole idea of the devil and the angel sitting on your shoulder, right? Like they're arguing back and forth and they're whispering into your ears. So you kind of have that concept. So when you really think about your thinking, you'll recognize that sometimes you argue with yourself, right? So there are at least two voices in there. And for me, I didn't really start thinking about this until several years ago. I had a good friend who challenged what she called my stinking thinking, which I thought was a really fun way to put it and help help me recognize my negative thought patterns. And she helped me see all the ways that my inner voice really was thrashing me whenever um, I did things like making a mistake, which was me dealing with my perfectionism, or if I disappointed somebody, which was my people pleasing, or or if I didn't like how I looked, which had to do with my poor self-esteem. So really for me, and I think for you too, the first step is to acknowledge that you have this issue, this negative voice in your head. Now, once I was aware of my stinking thinking, I really started paying attention to how I was talking to myself. I really listened to what I was saying and how I was saying it. To be honest, I was shocked. I was shocked at how I was talking to myself. It really sunk in when it hit me that I would never ever speak to a friend the way that I was talking to myself. And then that led to the thought for me that if I had a friend who talked to me the who talked to me the way I was talking to myself, I would totally ditch them because it wouldn't be somebody that I would like hanging out with. So my struggle then became how to teach that voice inside my head to critique but not criticize, to be kind and be truthful and have grace. And that's hard. And as an adult, I don't think I'm alone in this. In fact, um, one of the online personalities who I love is the truth bomb mom. You may have seen her before and I have a link in my show notes to the video that I'm about to talk about, but she has this really great video segment where she is interviewing several of her friends and I'm going to leave it to you to watch that video, but it was just a very powerful message uh, about how we speak to ourselves and what that can mean in our daily lives. So I hope you check that out. Again, it's in the show notes here on iTunes and also on my website, theishgirl.com forward slash EP9. Now, back to our negative voices. They can really be about anything, but I would say that most of us struggle with our negative thoughts 
about our appearance or our intelligence or our skills, whether that's housekeeping or sports or parenting or, or whatever it is, we can be so very unkind to ourselves. And I believe that our teens have the same kind of condemning voice inside their heads too. In fact, I believe that during adolescence, this condemning voice, this critical inner voice can be the loudest of all, right? Like during the, our teen years, because we don't have the brain development or the experience to really balance it out with any kind of positive. So what I wanna do here with this topic of that critical inner voice is talk to you as a parent first and address your critical inner voice before we talk about your teen's critical inner voice. And here's why, we can't teach what we don't know. And if we as grown-ups don't know how to talk to ourselves well, how can our teens possibly know how to have a positive inner voice? So that is what today's show is about. And to help us on this journey to train our critical inner voices to become ones of positivity and kindness, I've invited my very good friend, Tammy Scow to Connection Not Perfection. Now, originally this was gonna be a one episode deal, but when Tammy and I sat down, our conversation was so rich that I decided to divide it into two parts. This week, the focus is on how to recognize that negative voice in your own head and why it's important to model a positive inner voice in ourselves to our teens. So let's jump into that discussion right now. So today I am welcoming Tammy Scow to Connection Not Perfection. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about her now. This is from her bio from where she works and here's what it says. Tammy helps individuals, couples, and families untangle themselves from unhealthy patterns, heal wounds, and find their unique purpose. She has a master's degree in counseling. Tammy and her husband have been married for over 20 years. They are delighted to be the parents of two wonderful girls who are 17 and 15 respectively. They participate a lot in their daughter's activities. They're involved in their church and they've served in various ministries. And I'm just going to share an aside here with that. That is where Tammy and I got to know each other. We were first introduced when we were going to church together. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Tammy's previous work experience provides her with a varied perspective. And this is one of the things I love most about Tammy is just how she has gone from kind of some extremes, I would say. Would you agree with that? Where you started off um, kind of in the business arena and then um, stayed at home with your kids for a while. And then you worked at a preschool for a little while. And that's where we got to be really good friends is working with the little ones at the same time. I think um, that's where our friendship really gelled. And throughout the many seasons of her life, Tammy has watched the individual ways in which people face life with its troubles and triumphs. She's marveled at how God has woven each person uniquely, and she loves supporting her clients on their journeys. She is also a sought-after speaker at different moms groups, at the program called Reengage sure, at for couples, for couples mm-hmm. and at different counseling events. I am privileged to do life alongside her and to see how she thoughtfully wrestles with how to apply her knowledge and her experiences to her every day life. And I would say it's probably been a good at least two years, would you say, that we've been meeting we- weekly sure. to kind of talk and support one another yes. and do life alongside. So Tammy is a very good friend, and I am super excited that she's with us today. And as I mentioned before, we are talking about our inner voices and how to train our teens to really, or help our teens train that inner voice to be kind to themselves, sure. to really jump in here. Anytime. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
time. To make sure that the things they're saying to themselves about themselves are encouraging and supportive and helpful rather than destructive and likely to spiral them into anxiety and depression. Perfect. That's a perfect way to put it. So one, we kind of went back and forth on what we were going to talk about today. And one of the things I really wanted to hit on was um, kind of some brain information, because I think that the way that our brains absorb information, the different pathways that are created by our thoughts really are, are, are huge. So talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. Your brain wants to work and it wants to stay busy. It also has a negative bias. I think that's part of our survival mechanism. And so if you don't give it somewhere productive to go, it's likely to go somewhere destructive and it's likely to think about the what's wrong. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with this situation? What's wrong with this person? Rather than all of the good and wonderful things. And so it doesn't take too long for us to get to a place where where our thoughts become thoughts and repetitive in what's wrong with me? What I don't like to do? What I should be doing that I'm not doing? What I shouldn't have done that I did do? Okay, so that whole like rabbit hole. spiral that we get into. So what I am hearing you say is that it is not a natural state of thinking to go towards the positive. Like our our default is to kind of assume the worst. Right. To look for. And maybe not assume always, but to look for it. We want to protect ourselves. We want to be safe physically. We want to be safe relationally. We want to do a good job. And so our brain is geared to protect us. And in doing that, it tends to look for what could go wrong. Okay. People who experience joy and peace are people who practice gratitude. They practice looking for, yes, this isn't the way I want it, or this isn't right. I'm not about making people delusional thinkers. So there are some things that are not as we'd like them to be, but it's not everything. It's also this, it's also that. Okay. So trying to have that balance of thought. So you're not creating this fictional reality, but you're able to kind of have resiliency in the face of the negative to kind of balance it out. Absolutely. Okay. And what happens in our brains is the parts of it that we use get stronger. The parts we don't use get weaker. It's like building a muscle. And so if you are doing curls all the time, then that muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger. When you're thinking uh, negative thoughts about yourself and destructive things and discouraging things, that those signals in your brain get stronger. They get thicker, but also what happens is you begin to interpret things and stuff slides into what into that thinking pattern, even if it doesn't belong there. Think of like a dirt road. If I'm riding my bike on a dirt road, you know the ruts where people's tires have gone, maybe the water has run through it. And when you try to keep your tire from going into that rut, it wants to slide into it and it slides in really easily. Right. Right. Well, that's the way your thoughts are. And so when you've created these really strong pathways of condemning thinking, then when you see something that may be a neutral stimulus, a friend says, hi, you're likely to interpret it as being something ne- negative. negative. It wants to slip right into that pathway. Now, when we're doing this, I wish I had a one size fits all. So I wish I could tell you, you know, think this once or do this chant or this dance <laughs> and magically it would go, wait a minute, it doesn't work like that. I can't download new software. So when you reframe your thoughts to something more encouraging and supportive, it's like putting dirt on those ruts, but it's soft. So you have to so keep it takes, it down. Yes. And so it takes a lot of repetitive intention 
intentional reframing to get to a place where you'll one day wake up and go, you know, I've noticed that I'm not thinking that way anymore, that this seems to be more of a natural preset for me than the way it was before. Well, and I think for our generation, especially, I think what comes to mind sometimes is that hokey Stuart Smalley from the Saturday Night Live who's like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn, people like me. But really, there is some value. I say that hesitatingly because it does seem hokey sometimes, but I think you kind of have to start that way, right? You have to start that way, and it has to make sense for you. Right. And so if something becomes rote where you don't believe it, it, there's no magic in the words. There's magic in the holding on to a belief. That makes so much sense. So it's not just repeating things on, you know. Unless you can believe them and they make sense for what the circumstance is. Okay. Your brain doesn't want to be lied to. And so if it feels like delusional thinking to you, then it'll start rejecting it. Right. Well, and and I think that that's important to to realize too, because one of the things that we talked about or shared was about these filters that we have. So if your filter is not truth, if your filter is, I'm not good enough, I'm not I'm stupid. I'm, I'm stupid. Fat, yes, I'm... yes. I'm ugly. Like all those horrible things that sometimes we say to ourselves in our heads. If that's your filter, then no matter what somebody says to you, it's going to come across to you right. as a lie. And I think that that's true with our kids too. If they, we can tell them, and, and I've seen parents do this. I think you Absolutely. probably have too, where you're like, you're beautiful and you're gorgeous and you are attractive or you're super smart right. and, and all those incapable and all those things. But I think one of things I want to communicate today is that if you don't believe those things about yourself, if your teen doesn't believe that those things are true about them, they can't receive it. Right. And you almost have, you have to practice receiving it. I right. think I say that kind of jokingly sometimes. My my good friend Claudine, um, she has talked about really practicing those words like when somebody gives you a compliment or even if you don't feel it, if you can say out loud, I receive it, that's right. what you're talking about, filling in the dirt in those ruts. Absolutely. It's, it's practicing believing those things about yourself and having that positive outlook versus being negative to yourself. You've done that a couple times to me when you've complimented me on something and I want to say, oh, this thing, it's old or it's cheap or, and you said, just say thank you, Tammy. (laughs) And and it does. And one of the things that that does is even if you tell me something that I can't yet believe about myself, it opens my brain to the possibility of it being true. And so it's giving that space for just a second for me not to let that tire go into that rut, but potentially go somewhere else. Right. Perfect. Okay. So one of the things I wanted us to cover as well is talking about different strategies that we can use. And I think we just shared one with saying, like, if you receive a compliment or teaching your teen when they receive a compliment to say, thank you, or I receive that or, or right. whatever positive response to those kinds of, of things can be. What are some other things? Because I know we kind of went back and forth in an email and you right. shared so, some things. A couple of things is one, you've got to be able to recognize. We talk to ourselves all the time and we don't even recognize that we're doing it. Right. It's happening in our head. In fact, my husband will come into the room sometimes and he'll say, who are you talking to? And I realize I'm making face expressions as though <laughs> I'm having a real conversation with somebody, but I'm the only one in the room. And sometimes it's him and I'm just like, it's you and you're in trouble, right? But we are, your brain wants to work. So to recognize that it actually is doing something even when you think it's not and trying to capture those thoughts. And so it is acknowledging 
acknowledging and being aware, what did I just think? What did I just say to myself? So that metacognition, that yes. thinking about thinking your about thinking. what I'm thinking. Okay. And I would suggest that you actually write it down. So much of our thoughts are somewhat abstract. Okay. And so when you can see what the word is that you would actually use, you, that might be half the problem. You can then see sometimes that it's a lie. Okay. So when you have to come up with the exact words for what it was that you just thought about yourself, mm -hmm. you can realize the lie that's in there often just by that. So I would say write it down. Um, I would really look about a, a couple of things. Is it really true? Right. That's that's one of the things yes. that I have on my list of things, ways I stop right. negative spirals. Rules. Absolutely. Um, and would I say it this way to a friend? Certainly is a right? Yes. And, but yeah. also, is it the whole picture? So right now I have to-do lists that I'm kind of behind on. Okay. Right? Yes. So to try to, to lie am, to myself and say... I'm familiar you know, with the concept. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to try to lie to myself and say that I'm not behind on getting certain things done, my brain's going to reject it because it is true. Okay. Right? But a lot of times we have conflict priorities. So what is true is that I'm behind on getting some things done. But what is also true, there are lots of ways that I've spent my time in ways I think are better. So to say that I, I'm a procrastinator or I can't stay on top of things and what's wrong with me that I can't stay on top of my stuff, right? Those are all very condemning. But it's negating the, the whole truth. And the whole truth is that I've dedicated a lot of time to doing some really good things that I would prioritize over the things I'm behind on. Okay. What's also true is though I may tend to procrastinate in certain areas, and trust me, that makes sense for me as I'm sure your areas do for you, there are other things I'm very diligent and very quick to do. So to call myself a procrastinator is an attack on my whole person, and it's not true. Right. To say there are certain areas I struggle with, that makes me human, and we all have those. And so I can see that there isn't, you know, there, there this side of heaven, there are no perfect people. Right. And so I can go, I may not have done everything I've wanted to the way I want. It may not all be what I want, how I want, but there's a lot going on that's really good, really wonderful, and, and how I want to spend my day and my time. And so it's not not just is this true is it the whole truth gotcha so in the context of everything I love sure. that sure and, right. and I'm guilty of making a list and I'll write on the ones I've already done for the day just yes, so that just I can see them. right but what that does is I know at the end of the day there's still going to be things on the list that got interrupted and get, didn't get taken care of but it gives me a picture of the whole day right rather than just where I fell short right I love that. I love that. Okay. So it is looking at, you know, when you run it down, you have that clear, um, instead of it being an abstract thought, it's an actual sentence, right? And then when you can look at it, is it true? And is it completely true? Right. Is it missing some things? Um, and then it's finding that way of reframing. And I'll tell you, usually the reason we talk the way we talk is because it's quick and dirty. Okay. I think I can go there with <laughs> I you. I think you might know one of my curse words. So my curse words aren't the ones that normally Normal people use as curse. Well, some of those are still my curse words. But Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4:29, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others."
others up according to their needs. Okay. And I would say that the word should yes. is, is rarely a... building somebody up and rarely according to their needs. It happens right. to carry a lot of condemnation to it. And so should is one of my curse words that I try not to use for myself or for others. Right. Because it sends that message that you fall short. Here's the standard. Here's you. It's underneath the standard. And you're not good enough. Now, it's quick and it's dirty. I can say really quickly, I should have paid the bills last night instead of waiting for today. Or I should have picked up the house last night before going to bed instead of having to do it this morning. Or I should have called somebody. That's quick, but it's dirty because it leaves that feeling of I'm not enough. And it doesn't give room for what you did do or the other priorities or self-compassion or the fact that you're human. And so the reframe for something like that would be long. <laughs> and not necessarily the way we're used to talking or thinking, but saying things like, what kept me from doing that? Oh, I know. I decided to spend time with my kids, right? right. And yes, that may make this morning or today a little more frustrating, but I wouldn't change it. And I'll prioritize it for today. Right. And I think for me, those times of the reframing, a lot of times I have more difficulty reframing them as something positive when it's something I've done for myself versus, you know, I can justify being there for my kids or I can justify, you know, what anything that's outside of myself. But if I'm saying, yes, I did not do the laundry or wash the dishes or, or put things away because I was reading a book or because doing I was doing self-care. Of yes, some kind. doing any kind of self-care. And so I think teaching my teen, our teens that is important as well, right. which is hard as a mom, because I think sometimes you look at all the things that your teen should be, be doing, doing. <laughs> and you find them playing a video game or reading or whatever. Right. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I can tend to towards being shaming sure. for that because, you know, they have stuff they need to do, especially if it's going to impact me and my schedule. Absolutely. <laughs> or, you know, it's going to take them somewhere down the road where they're going to be more stressed tomorrow, more behind, right. not get the grades that they're wanting to get. The consequence. Yes. The consequence that goes along with right. it. So really figuring out how to speak to yourself and to your kids in those moments sure. where it's so much easier to jump into that rut of... You should have done this. Right. 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 So, So I would say, and this is something you and I talked about a little bit earlier today, which is in doing this, in helping our teens to train their inner critic, their inner voice, I think they're at the developmental stage right now. I, I want to see see if you would agree with how I'm, I'm stating this, but they're in the developmental stage where they are not necessarily willing or able to hear us when we say, think this way or try doing right. this or, or any kind of instructional yes. language around what we're talking about. So you shared something that I thought was brilliant, which is we can't necessarily reach them by instructing them but by modeling for them and saying, you know, like if I could share with my kids, like I would might share with them this afternoon. And I know you and I have joked about it a little bit, but my house is just an absolute wreck right now. And so because Tammy is the friend that she is, I felt (laughs) like I could be vulnerable with her today and invite her into my mess. 
But I have people to... in glass houses don't throw stones. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Which I love about you. And I and I love the fact that we can be comfortable with each other this way. But I could share with my teens this afternoon that you know, it was really hard. Like I had to fight against that language in my head of I'm you know, my house is messy, I'm not a good housekeeper, I'm a slob, you know, like I'm not staying on top of things. But I really had to stop myself and and this would be me sharing with my teens. I had to stop myself and remind myself like we spent time together doing this, you know, and I've been working on my podcast and I've been helping your dad. And and so sharing my inner struggles and modeling what my voice sounded like in my head and how I, I changed that and was deliberate about it is what's going to help them do that as well. Because right. hopefully that will just, you know, this is how it's done. Right. So I saw my parents do it this way. So this is how it's done. So now I'd be surprised if they said, oh, thank you, wise mother, for sharing <laughs> your wisdom with me. Um, if it's well, my daughters, they'd, they'd probably find a way to scoff at me for oh, that. Sure, that sure. doesn't mean that you haven't done something good in sharing that. Right. But what makes some of the biggest impact is really when they hear you talk about yourself. If they see you looking in the mirror to see how this outfit came together on you and they notice on your face a look of disapproval as you look at yourself right. in the mirror, right? You may not have said something out loud, but they can read that body language. If you do things like, um, we can't invite friends over because the house is a mess. Oh yeah, guilty. Yes. Guilty. And uh. so it's not necessarily the wisdom that you intentionally pass on to them. It's the way they have seen you live your life, the things they've heard you say to yourself about yourself, as well as what we were talking about a little earlier, the way you say things to them. So using words like, I can see why you'd want to spend some time playing video games or watching TV. It's important that you have downtime. What's your plan for getting your homework done? What's your plan for getting your chores done, right? And so what you're doing is you're saying, yes, it's important for you to get your chores done and your homework done. And these are things that as a parent I'm responsible for following up on but I also recognize you're a whole person and you need to have downtime and need to do the things you enjoy you're not awful horrible or lazy because you're playing video games instead of doing your homework right right and so it's help it's using those words that you would reframe for yourself of saying look I get that you like this I get it's a priority I know you want to go hang out with your friends what's your plan for also getting this done when you say no you shouldn't do that you should be getting your homework done then that sends the message of something wrong with them for wanting to hang around with their friends and it's developmentally appropriate for them to want to do that and not want to do their homework right. and not want to do their chores is that developmentally appropriate yes. for me too because <laughs> I'm all the time I, I'm enjoying this opportunity because it acts as an excuse for me not doing a lot of things that I still need to get done yeah. for, you know on my own and Truth. so you know there and so it is being that voice when you talk to them that's the whole picture but also they can see your face they see your body language you may not say some of these things outside of your mouth but a lot of us do say things outside of our mouth that we would say about ourselves in front of our kids but we wouldn't say it to a friend right and so it is really using that um and and you may sound a little insane as you're walking around the house going (laughs) 
yes, it is true that I should have taken care of this or this, but I also chose to do this or this, which I believe is a better priority. And, you know, even though I didn't get that done today, tomorrow I can still accomplish these goals and tomorrow I can choose well for myself. And it's important for me to also have time with friends or downtime or self-care. Well, and this is just reinforcing to me that I cannot teach my kids anything unless I have internalized it and am practicing it. Other than the sense of, you know, stop figuring out and recognizing and stopping myself of if I have that funny look on my face when I look at my outfit and saying, oh, wait a second, like, and, and speaking of those things out loud and walking my teens through it alongside me so that they at least are pointed in the right direction, even if I'm not modeling it sure. perfectly. Right? Sure, sure. And as I walked out of the house today, it wasn't me that said something. It was actually my daughter who said she didn't like my shirt today, right? Uh, okay. Which is nice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that critical voice awesome. starts early. Um, and you know, one of the things I did was I you pick different clothes for a lot of different reasons. And so I said, I know, but it, look how soft it is, right. right? And so there's lots of different types of good. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes it is being, you know, yes, I don't know that this is the nicest outfit or something I would choose if we were, you know, if this was a video cast versus a podcast. Right. But feel how comfortable it is. I chose well because I chose for comfort today. Okay. And what I love about that is that you didn't react to kind of the barb that she sent your way, which I would say is very typical of, at least for me, I don't know, maybe you and I are the only ones out there, but I think my most people are going to be like us where sometimes teens say really hurtful, hurtful things. things to their mother and it seems yes. like it's okay. Yes. Yes. And, and sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. But the way that you took that and you reframed it as if it was your inner critic. And so instead of taking offense and jumping yes. down her throat or, or, you know, getting irritated back or whatever, you were very deliberate in how you reframed it aloud for right. her to kind of see so you're not only are you teaching her how to treat herself you're teaching her how to treat you too Absolutely. right so. and, and she's she's able to have her own opinion right it doesn't have to be a shirt she would wear it doesn't you know and so it gives her a voice for her opinion now I won't tell you there are times where we do the hey it, it's disrespectful right and, and rude to say something like that there are those times but they don't have to be every time or you know you kind of pick and choose which tool you want to use right for which one right and so so I certainly don't want to give her the license to say out loud things that are intentionally hurtful for other people. Yes. Um, but at the age she is, this is a phase she's kind of in right now. And so I'm giving her a lot of space and a lot of corrections and a lot of affirmations and a lot, you know, using different tools depending on the circumstance. And right. for this, for what was said, it really was her opinion. Um, and so what I gave her was, yeah. And, and I don't know that I disagree with her opinion. <laughs> To be honest, right? So her critique, as harshly as it might have been given, there was some truth that I believed to it, but it wasn't the whole picture. And so I didn't feel like um, giving her an admonishment for criticizing my shirt was the the best tool in that moment. Okay. I love that. I love that. But those are the ways, um, and there's an exercise I do called the umbrella of responsibility. Oh, things that are your responsibility and there are things that are not. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because okay. this, I think, is so brilliant. And I, I want to say, like, I think in a future post, what I'd like to do with your permission is to share your umbrella of responsibility because sure. it's such a great visual. I've used it for myself. I've used it with friends. I've used it with my kids. Like, it's such a good thing. So now that I've waxed poetic, sure. tell us what it is. It would take too long in this 
podcast to do it, but one of the things that's your responsibility are your thoughts. Right. And if your thoughts are your responsibility, that means your kids' thoughts are their responsibility. You don't get the right to tell them what to think. You don't really control what they think. That is outside of your umbrella of responsibility. And if you think you are responsible for your kids' thoughts, you're going to make yourself very frustrated, very anxious. And them too. And them too. And lots of mini lessons are going to come out, which they're going to make them scoff at you and roll their eyes at you and not want to hear. That might just be my kids. I'm sorry. Um, Right? Yes, I think you're the only one. I'm the only one that does that. that, But... It's their way of saying, you don't control my thoughts. You're not responsible for my thoughts. My thoughts are my thoughts, and I'm allowed to have whatever thoughts I have. Okay. And so part of this um, you know, podcast is that recognizing that you've got to let go of your kids' thoughts. You've got to let go of their inner voice. They get to choose what voice they're going to listen to, and they're developing their own voice, and they get the full freedom to do that. Your job as a parent, so you've got your own umbrella responsibility. They've each got their own. Your job as a parent is to model that which you want your kids to grow up to have, the character traits, the ways of living, the beliefs, to model it, to train them, and to reinforce them. And so they get to decide what they're going to think. And they may interpret things drastically different than you intend. (laughs) So your job is not so much to say, hey, here's how you should think, but instead to be that person who uses words that are indicative of healthy thinking. When I talk about myself, when I talk about my friends, when I talk about my kids, when I talk about my kids as friends, when I talk about my coworker, when I talk about my boss, right? Am I using words that are truthful about the frustrations that might be there, but not a whole person attack that's full of grace, that understands there are different perspectives and different priorities, right? Right. And when they hear you talk to yourself and to others in that way, they then develop that voice. Okay. I love that. I love that it's, it's just, it's the whole thing. It's not just what you're saying to them. It's how you're acting. Um, I want to say there was a speaker that I heard one time who compared parenting to kind of like your child is a two liter bottle of soda that's empty and you get to drip little drops in over the course of the time that you have them. And so I think that's a correlates exactly to what you're saying is that it's a long, slow, gentle process. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is, you know, there isn't a one time of saying something. Right. I wish we could download software and we can't. (laughs) It is that 18 to 24 year process of what are you modeling for them? Right. And that, friends, is where we're stopping today. Next week, we are going to dive into some specific empowering things that we can say to ourselves and a simple strategy to use and to teach our teens to help transform our thinking. So to recap some of the key points from the discussion today, You want to give your brain somewhere productive to go. You want to be deliberate in thinking positively and in thinking about your thinking. You want to practice gratitude, practice receiving compliments, and some of those strategies that Tammy shared to help you do this is to write down those negative thoughts when you have them. Ask yourself, is it true? Would you say it to a friend? Is it the whole picture? And then also, I love Tammy's advice to eliminate the word should from your vocabulary. So don't should yourself. And the reminder that 
this is all about modeling for our kids and living out a positive inner voice more than about instructing them because they're going to pick up more just from doing life with us than they are from our direct instruction. And then a big one that she shared that I loved was you don't get to tell your kids what to think. They get to choose the voice they listen to. And so it's our job to model those things that we want our kids to have as adults and to reinforce it. We want to be the person in their lives who uses words that indicate healthy thinking. So I'd like to give Tammy a huge thank you for sharing her wisdom with us. And I cannot wait to share the rest of our discussion in next week's episode. Now, if you're interested in more free resources to support you in connecting with your teen, I would love to invite you to go to my website, theishgirl.com. That's T-H-E-I-S-H. G-I-R-L.com. And you're going to want to click on the free resources button there on the front page. And that will walk you through the process of uh, being able to have access to that free library of resources that I have. And also you could just click on the free resources link straight from the iTunes show notes here um, underneath the episode. Thank you so much for being with me today. And just a friendly reminder from one ish girl who is still whipping her inner critical voice into shape. It's all about connection, not perfection.